0: Welcome back to uh, the Movie Company Podcast. What episode are we at, Garrett? Uh,
1: 300. Yeah, something <laughs> no. like that, minus Probably power of 10. 22? Yeah, something in there.
0: Um, anyways, we've been on hiatus for a bit, but uh, we're back, and I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, Nick Vipond, who's been on my podcast guest list hit list for a while, but uh, now we've finally coordinated it. Um, Nick and I are going to date ourselves because I was pulling up his LinkedIn to look at his his, uh, Palmares of sorts and uh, his coaching business has been around for 15 years, which means I've known him for 15 years uh, and makes me feel very, very old. Uh, So Nick and I met back when I was in high school. I had had a a decent run uh, of cycling results and then got my shit kicked in by five guys from Quebec. Uh, and so I decided I needed a coach, um, and, uh, contacted Hardwood Hills, and they put me in contact with Nick, uh, and the rest is history, as they say, but, um, yeah, it's been an interesting looking back at how many, uh, major life events kind of Nick had his hand in, uh, for me, so I'll get all nostalgic and shed a few tears, but, uh, like, one of the reasons I moved to Ottawa, got me the job at the cyclery, um, the list kind of goes on and on, so yeah, pretty cool, um, I'm not the only cool thing he's, he's done, uh, in the cycling world, um, he said that he's been racing since, uh, 1993, um, cycling, cross-country skiing, uh, a few other disciplines between, between the two, um, uh, and then after coaching me, uh, Nick has coached many, many other athletes, including, wow, well, a few uh, few friends of the clinic, uh, certain Mike Woods, uh, Mateo. Uh, so a lot of the really fast guys around town, you can blame Nick for that. Um, and then uh, during the day, Nick also works for Cycling Canada. Uh, he's heading up the high-performance side of paracycling, which is uh which is pretty cool and, and super interesting, uh, not a side that I know a lot about in the cycling world. So, um, yeah, how'd I do? That's
2: good. Thanks, yeah. Luke. Yeah, yeah guys. Uh, stoked to be here. It's pretty, thanks for having me on the show. And, yeah. No worries. Um, you know, you mentioned those five guys from Quebec, Luke. I think one of those guys is quite notable. Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> Quebec Gold, Alex Harvey himself, so. Yeah. You know, he, he, were some,
1: he, yeah. rap He beat Raf you. Conier. He beat you in a cycling race? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like what was it, mountain biking? or Mountain biking, yeah. Okay.
0: yeah. So he showed up to one race, and so he's a... Nationals, yeah. and then that was enough to punch his ticket to Worlds because the kid's a freak, obviously. Alex Harvey. Cross country to... skier, Olympian, yeah.
1: Uh, and, uh, and he went to Worlds Juniors. Junior. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, everyone mountain. goes to World Juniors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. How many World Juniors have we been to combined?
1: Well, I just wasn't <laughs> doing my sport when I was that old. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. That's right. You're a mediocre <laughs> hockey player.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean uh, yeah, turn I turned down my invitation to the world juniors, but anyway.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, so so yeah, so him and Raf were pretty good. But uh it a, yeah, it was quite the crop of juniors that I back at the time and yeah. Sorry, who's Raf? Raph? Raph Gagne, also an Olympian, this time on the mountain bike though, he stayed the cycling. Um also free there's a, a there was a rumor when i was in um, when i was a junior that he could suck the air out of one of those things the 30 liter jugs
1: he could suck that's yeah a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well, so that weird liter pause yeah. oh yeah maybe it was an 18 liter one either way the
0: kid's got uh, some lungs on him um, anyways that's a total sidebar cool. but yeah so uh, nicks here i'm a little nervous because he's got a lot of dirt on me so um, there's always, it's funny, I don't know, it, I think we've talked about this, but there's been a few times where I've been riding around, and I'll bump into, like, Jenny, who's Nick's wife, uh, or someone else that knows Nick, and they'll be like, who are you? I'm like, uh, I'm Luke. And I'm like, how do you know Nick? Oh, he was my coach. They're like, oh, you're <laughs> Luke. And I'm like, oh, yeah.
2: You're yeah. the guy who used to race in basketball shorts and yeah. a t-shirt.
0: Well, that, and yeah, this is an angry redhead. <laughs> no, I had a real jersey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How
1: much older? Like you're not very old. I, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, it's just strange to me that you're you were Luke's coach way back, and you I mean you must have been really young.
2: I started coaching at I guess about 21. You know?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Huh. So
2: I would have been 21 when I was coaching Luke in high school.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Just wrapping up, but you Ottawa and kin. Yeah, finished a kin degree and yeah, then did a master's in sports psych. Right, right. Which was pretty cool. Um, I remember, yeah, starting to test some stuff on me. But yeah, the sports doing? psych stuff is always. Uh, I, I feel like the more I get into uh, this round, the Cairo stuff, the sports stuff, the more like the physiologi- physio- physiological side of things is important. But the brain is just like overrides everything. Like you can be fit as a fiddle, just firing on all cylinders. And then have some sort of life event happen to you, and it'll just crush all of that. Send you the um, other way.
2: And I think yeah. that was something we looked at a lot was mm-hmm. something Luke and I did some work with when I was doing my master's was incorporating, not necessarily being a sports psych, working with an athlete, but being a coach, working with a sports psych and applying sports psychology into my daily coaching. Yeah. And that's something I've really taken a long way with me. And I think talking to you to for you two is Cairo's. You're almost a psych. You're the person that a lot of people come to when they're at their low point in their careers because they're injured. So, um, the mental skills from sports psychology are uh, something that can certainly be applied by many practitioners. And it's not just uh, the sports psych that can do it. Sports psych is the expert in the tool, and they can teach that to a coach. They can teach it to a chiropractor, a physio, a doctor to be able to help athletes set that out. And, you know, it's not necessarily only sports psych isn't focus and goal setting. There's so many components yeah. to sports psychology.
1: Sports like psych, I think like the program you took is just amazing. I, I always wanted to take it. Um, the one thing I find with sports psych is that it's so important. But to be a sports psychologist, a standalone sports psychologist, no one just does that because I don't know if it's because it's so important that kind of everyone needs to do it um, in a sense. But why why isn't why aren't there? Sports why is it hard to make a profession out of sports psychology? I think
2: that's a good question. Um, something I've thought about, certainly. Because I definitely, <laughs> yeah. at one point in time, I was like, I want to be a sports psych. Right. Um, you know, it's a, to do that, the field of sports psychology, there are certainly limited opportunities because, you know, there's some only so many athletes, and then no athlete needs a sports psych necessarily full-time. So you look at that tree, and it just gets narrower and narrower and narrower as to how many athletes people need it and then also there's a lot of people that may not feel they need to see a sports psych all the time or understand the importance of a sports psych. Um, We're certainly having worked in high performance um, you know I've worked with Cycling Canada Canadian Paralympic Committee for 11 years now and we are I'm seeing a certain upturn in sports psychology consultants mental trainers being hired um, for teams and but you know you'll we'll see one team work with three one one sports psych work with three different teams. Right. So just the the need isn't as much there, but there's definitely more prevalence and more understanding of the need. Um, you know, in Pyeongchang at the Paralympics, for we had six sports, and I think we had three sports psychs there with us. Mm-hmm. So we're there's certainly an what place. do we, what they do?
1: I'm just curious, like uh, like sport. I mean, I think for sports psych, like, well, no. Uh, I was thinking most of the sports psych is probably done before the games, but I mean they're probably Definitely. incredibly nervous and they yeah. yeah, it's uh
2: in advance it's the planning, the preparation pieces, yeah. the goal setting, um building your race plans, things like that, and then on site it's someone to talk to to give you a few keywords to help you with some framing, um to talk you through your warm up before mm-hmm. the competition. Mm-hmm. So they're doing more kind of in the moment mm-hmm. and just comforting. Some yeah. of the sport, you see sports psychs take on many different roles at a competition. Like some of them are very hands-on and very much in that warm-up zone to help the athlete find that right, pe- right uh, arousal level going into the competition uh-huh. where some of them may sit back and be more uh-huh. available through uh-huh. communication externally.
0: How do you uh, work in your sports psych background in, like, the kind of overarching athlete plan that you put together with your athletes? Um, you know,
2: and I think that definitely incorporated in doing a lot of planning and a lot of through the planning process and understanding the need to have planning and uh, pro- giving athletes um, confidence through planning. Right. That by and just understanding how a good understanding of how everything that we're doing affects athletes mentally. So making sure that we're. Talking about in intervals, giving some key thoughts that maybe they should be thinking about um realistic goal setting, um building in a understanding arousal, building that into a warm-up plan and a race day plan. Um so just putting looking at some of those mental mental training tools that the athletes might have and putting them into their daily training, their pre-race plans.
0: Yeah. Sweet.
1: How did you, uh, just curious, how, like, what was your big break? I don't know if you had a big break, uh, if you're still waiting for it, or, uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, for Mike Woods, for example, that's a big name, so I think you started with, with, uh, with Mike Woods, guys. Uh, I think you started with him fairly early, um, but you've had some success now as a coach, but, like, what, what? What started that? Was it just that you you were passionate about it, and these athletes saw that passion and, and decided to be coached by you, or you, did you approach them? Was it a little bit of both?
2: Um, no, I think it's I've I I've never approached someone to coach them. Um, I've always been approached by athletes, okay. um, and that's something I kind of proud of. Yeah, um, you yeah, should be. And I think that it's a yeah, I think it's a passion. I you know definitely it excites me to work with athletes and help them achieve their goals and find success. And then being a part of that journey for the athlete, taking, working on the journey with them, guiding them through the process of Uh developing is something that really excites me. So, um, yeah, big break. I don't, there hasn't been a big break moment for me in coaching, but it's been, it's, I like to keep things pretty basic, you know, don't get all hung up in doing fancy workouts. Uh Keep it. Really like to tell out my athletes, we work in meat and potatoes. We work the zones we keep training yeah. basic
1: that's something I see as a coach too all the time like how many times do we show up to a workout I don't know if you're like this and, and younger athletes just they want to know exactly how many reps they're doing and, and uh, you know all these little little minor details and they stress so much about that and like it doesn't matter yeah. right? like, no I, exactly you know, uh, the work to do, do,
2: I want to do this at this watt and I want to do 18 reps of this and I want to do this and I'm like okay today's workout is VO2 max so yeah. it's 5 by 5 minutes that's a great VO2 max worker and that's we're going to just hit that just keep hitting you in the head with that until yeah. your VO2 max increases you know, yeah. for this block and let's figure out let's keep it real simple and just build meat and okay. potatoes meat and potatoes I like it make your make your training look like racing and yeah yeah it's not
0: um, total side, well it's not a sidebar it's a backtrack to Garrett's question about the big break uh, my two cents on Nick's success has to do uh, he's a great coach but he's also Really good with relationships and manages uh, relationships extremely well. So I think that he's just continued to establish those. Yeah. I, these are again, this is one hundred percent my opinion. He's got he's here. got three yeah. wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Juggling we'll yeah. artist. No, no, he's just uh, a a really good people person. His relationship skills are, are second to none in my opinion. My two cents on that. You know, I think yeah, I think that's an important piece, and it's getting working with development athletes and
2: being able to help them get to the next steps as part of having those relationships. And that's something, you know, with Mike, was able to help him go to the next level and right. Right, move on. And, you know, we work, worked with uh, Eddie McNeely, a mountain biker, and helped him along Former the way. Former national champion. Yeah. yeah. A couple-time yeah. cross national champ, national junior junior mountain bike champ. Sneaky socks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Have you ever turned an athlete down after, like, just wasn't the right fit or referred yeah. them out to other people? Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely found more athletes that I was like, I don't think this is going to work, and it's put you on to some a different coach. And it's good now we're getting more and more cycling coaches in the area, so it's helping to have other opportunities. Um, right. I think I don't know if you've ever had Sean on the podcast, but yeah, once, yeah Sean yeah. Sean and I have worked together quite a bit. And yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Rivals? No, <laughs> no. not at all. No, buddies, buddies. Yeah, That's yeah. What rivals say?
0: What <laughs> <laughs> do they say? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. No, I think. Go
2: ahead. Okay, I was going to say, I think, you know, something that. um, I guess something coming into this podcast today, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to sit down with some chiropractors and talk coaching. And I think something that maybe to your audience and relating back to you guys is um, something I've worked with with my athletes is that, you know, we need to make sure that definitely masters area, all athletes and specifically masters athletes. Um, make sure they keep it, you know, keep themselves center and keep their, they need to be healthy. And we see so many athletes, um, you know, elite athletes have time to rest, recover, take their time to get a, to go see people take care of their bodies, but Masters athletes have limited time to train and they'd rather just train, 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 train than take that break. And that, it's understanding when to take a break, when to right. build that around high performance athletes we talk about, uh, integrated service team. Um, which includes physios, chiropractors, doctors, nutritionists, sports psychs, um, you know, as masters often between work, life, family, and training, there's a time to do that, so huh. um, I think that's really important, it's to understand the value of taking that break, taking recovery, taking care of your body, taking your bike, your, you know, taking your bike into the shop, replacing your running shoes often enough, yeah. <laughs> taking your... You know, you got to get your bike tuned up for a race. Well, go see your massage therapist, go see your par- chiropractor, and make sure you're getting your body taken care of. And oftentimes, it's you know, it might be better to skip a workout and go and get your body taken care of that day. Unless we well,
1: it's more type of thing, yeah. for sure. You, know, you can see can. that a lot. I did my fourth year research project at the uh, University of Ottawa and uh, on master's athletes, it was called <laughs> uh, a passion analysis in, in master's athletes, and we found that a lot of uh, Masters athletes um, have a lot of conflict in their life and it was basically we determine whether you're in, um, in a, w- if you were obsessive about your your passion your sport or if you were in harmony with your sport and we yeah, we determine if you're obsessed you're, you're you've got this uh, so much conflict in your life and it's I think more prevalent in, in, in uh, Masters athletes because they have all that other uh, all those other things going on in their life um, whereas at the pro level, it doesn't really matter because you can be obsessed, and it doesn't affect anything. Like I think there, you're all you have to be a little obsessed as a pro.
2: Yeah.
1: Whereas if you're obsessed and you've got all these other life demands, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna crash and burn. Your other areas of life are, aren't gonna be um, taken care of, and that's gonna actually indirectly affect your sport too. which They don't realize, so.
2: I think um, you know something that was along these lines, like that's so so key is understanding you know that sport is all about stress, performance is all about stress, not just sport. Like so, we are dealing with stress in all aspects of our life, and performing is how we balance that stress. Um, and something that was told to me that's resonated ever since I was a high school athlete, skiing. My ski coach as a kid used to tell us that there were three S's in life: there were school, sport, and social. And to be an athlete, we could have two of us. So what were you, you... You know, you had time for two of them. So if we wanted to do sport, you had to either have no social life or you couldn't do school. Right. Um, so that has resonated. I see for master's athletes, you're putting in a fourth. So you're trying to do school or career, sport, social, and then you've got family in there too. Right. So now, which two are you going to choose out of that? You can't. You're going to try and fit cram at least three, if not four, into there. And... Um, at some point, something's going to give. So to me, I've talked with a lot of my athletes about um, it's all about maintaining perspective. As a master athlete, you've got to make sure that you're specific about your training, you're specific about your preparation. Um, you've got to be focused on everything you're doing. You've got to be realistic, and you got to stay grounded and maintain perspective while you're training and on life. So why, why are you doing this? Most most masters, when we look back to the obsessed First passion piece. Have you read my
1: uh, paper? I haven't. But <laughs> who did you do it with? Brad Young. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen it. You know, we look back. And you look to that, and it's um, for most people that athletic sport performance is their outlet. Right. right. But when it becomes too obsessed on that, that's when you start to see. You know, you hear about divorce because of sport. And, Iron Man widow Iron Man widow and all these yeah and they, terms, they start right? dating and then they're Iron man yeah and and we're and not just, gonna get there <laughs> um, but I think that's the you know that's a real key is to always keep and something I work with the masters athletes I coach I'm always talking to them okay but remember to keep this in perspective right I don't want to you know I don't want you dishing family things to go train like
1: I, I don't know if you're able to put numbers on this but like just what do you think, how much can a master's athlete, a typical master's athlete that has a family, uh, you know, full-time job, how many hours, if they're a cyclist, uh, how many hours can they contribute to their sport a week? Um, like, obviously, there's so many other yeah. things, but I don't know, if just for fun, is there so any, is there numbers, like, big range? Yeah, like?
2: Definitely, were like I generally, outside, the challenge I find with cycling, because I do try and assign them put an average number, but then you can get, you know, you get an athlete who's like, who gets a weekend that they can go out and do some big rides. So I would preface this by saying outside of doing some big long rides, like, you know, if you want to do ri- locally Ride of the Dam, is an eight-hour ride, well, that's going to really throw off averages. So I would generally say it's between eight and 12 hours a week okay. is what I would. Yeah. Usually plan my master's athletes around, yeah. and then when they, then we build rides and races on top of that. Cool.
0: but How do you manage, uh, like if someone's like, they've got a crazy schedule, but they'd rather train than sleep, like how do you manage them recovering, them training, like do you ask them where they're at in their sleep, uh, yeah. numbers, so, all that kind of stuff?
2: You no, know, I, gen- I work with all my athletes the same, using the same platform, so we use, I use Training Peaks as a platform that I work with athletes on, and it's got a spot to put metrics in, so you can put your daily metrics, record sleep, weight, eating, uh, resting heart rates, HRVs, body fat percentage, if you're doing it, whatever you want to, yeah. whatever metrics you want to record, we can record there. Sleep and morning heart rate are two that are big for me, um, especially when you have a lot going on in your life. Um, and yeah, I get people, you know, as you said, like masters that are like, well, I don't need to sleep. Yeah, you sleep when you're dead. There's no <laughs> such thing as that. Uh, <laughs> you need to rest and recover. So, um, if I see an athlete's not sleeping well, or they tell me they're not sleeping well, I'm going to drop the training hours to allow for more sleep. Okay. Um, Interesting. I think that we can, if we may, if we keep training specific and focused, um, you can do a lot on very, very little. Um, there's a great book. Uh, I forget the author, but it's time. It's the, it's titled, uh, Time French Cyclist. And it's, I think they talked about it, about a six hour training week. Okay. Um, but every minute of every workout... Tim Ferriss.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cycling coach Tim Ferriss.
2: Yeah. Uh, every minute of every workout is accounted for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's none of the... And cycling is such a sport that's notorious for junk miles. Yeah. Um, you know, I see so many athletes waste so much time yeah. riding in the wrong zone or riding too easily. Um, so... It's balance, it's focus. Um, so
1: your, your definition of junk miles is what you just said, either too slow or too easy, too easy or too hard too, too would you too easy, consider?
2: Too hard, just outside, like, yeah. you know, zone three. Yeah. Riding too much time in zone three is junk miles. Yeah. Okay. So not
0: doing anything specific there except, you know, the North, the North American tempo workout that yeah. everybody loves to do. Because <laughs> it's kind of hard, so I feel like I did something hard, but it's really not doing a whole lot of anything. Yeah. Or riding. And you know... Going for a coffee shop ride,
2: ride is great fun, yeah. when you have an additional three hours a week to do that in. But if right. we don't have that time, don't do it.
0: Right, or adjust your goals. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. adjust your goals if that's what you want to be doing. Yeah,
2: interesting. Um, and Ottawa, I think, is the prime place for the coffee shop ride because uh, we've got a lot of coffee so shops, fifteen to thirty k from yeah. downtown. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, you we'll can spend all week. Months. You could just roll through them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> do a quick little ride to Little Victories here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, my <laughs> mileage yeah. Well, that's where
0: it starts. You start at Little Victories, and it's a, that's the hub. And then the other ones are like spokes, right? So you get up to Stittsville and go to Quitters.
2: Yeah. We need to do the Stitsville Brew Tour. Oh. Ride from downtown to Stittsville, have a coffee, ride to Ashton, have a beer, go up to.
1: I think Netflix the beer needs to be the end of this. the a couple final stops stop. on the ride and come
0: home. And No such thing as junk miles if there's a coffee shop attached to it. (laughs) Um, I've always wondered, because I think, again, this podcast is obviously all about me. So um, you you did a really, when I was still riding, I I also wanted to play hockey in the winter. And the relevance, there isn't any. It's like hockey and cycling don't really translate well. But I always appreciated the fact that you still let me play. There was I don't remember a single time where you, at, where you were like, well, is this really a good idea? When I'm sure there was a few times where you were like, is this really a good <laughs> idea? Um, how do you manage that with your athletes? How do you prioritize training but also let them have some fun, uh, play another sport, that kind of stuff? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's – we live
2: in Canada. You can't ride a bike all year, obviously, especially in Ottawa. You know, I'm looking outside though. and it's – Absolutely gorgeous outside right now. We've got like 60, 60 80 centimeters of snow out there. So. Yeah. Um, and so you either spend all of your time sitting in the basement riding a trainer looking at the wall or we look at other sports and, you know, Luke was working towards being an elite athlete. Yeah. Maybe doing, playing hockey and cross country ski racing weren't the best things for Luke to do, but we could still get training value out of them. Right. Um, Interesting. Hockey is a whole series of short little bursts. Well, mountain biking is a whole series of short little bursts. So it wasn't specific, but it certainly was training power. Okay. Um, cross country skiing is VO2 max, pure VO2 max, full body VO2 max. So not just are you working cardio when you're cross country skiing, you're also working on your musculoskeletal system. You're building injury resistance. Okay. And cr- cyclists are the worst people for body health. <laughs> <laughs> Legs and no arms, yeah. They're just soft um, as hell. I'm sure these, yeah, I'm sure these two see them and yeah. see older cyclists come in who ride a lot and have absolutely no upper body strength. Yeah, are they and they sneeze and blow their backs out <laughs> and don't know why? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: they play one game of, of ball hockey and they're out for the year, yeah. So,
2: you know. We talk about cyclists as athletes. Cyclists are po- poor athletes, True. ultimately. They're really good at one thing. They're really good at one thing, and they have they can't translate. So I actually think that in you can with good cross training, you can improve your cycling if you look at it for what it's worth. Um, Snowshoeing, cross country skiing, running, yeah. playing hockey. So that would you're saying softball. that that's
1: going to improve Ooh. your cycling? Length, it's going right? to improve Like your it's going to keep keep you injury resilient, injury. right? Yeah. Like, um,
2: if you plan it properly. Right. Like if I, you don't want to play a hockey game the day before the race. Yeah. 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 Or do you, you, know, if you have a really specific workout that's needed, maybe don't do a four-hour cross-country ski the day before. Right. But on the weekend, by all means, do it. Yeah. Um, so it's planning and using all those other things that are thing you know, tools that we can use in our training boxes. Yeah. You know, we've got our mental skills, we've got our training tools that we can put in. Our toolbox and pull them out when needed. Right. Um, and get out like a yes. Yesterday afternoon here was so gorgeous. Yeah. To spend the afternoon in the basement on the trainer would have been awful, but to be yeah. able to go for a cross country ski at yeah. minus five and sunny with no wind and fresh snow, mm-hmm. so mentally refreshing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's absolutely something that can help motivate you. Right. To, get to April. Right.
0: right. Well, especially in Huntsville. I was already weird because I was the only one riding a bike, basically. <laughs> um, so to be able to like—that's why you were weird. That's yeah, why, only that's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be able to have that resource, that outlet, that social circle uh, through hockey, through skiing, I, to me was always huge. I, I've talked about this with Sean when he started coaching too. It was like Nick was great for me for that. Like I don't know, just food for thought. Like don't cut everything else out of an athlete's life, especially a young adult who's already weird enough <laughs> spend more time in the basement's not going to help that. No. Um, but I've never heard you explain it like that because I don't know if I've ever asked you the question. So. No, I don't think yeah. well. there's, there's your answer. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah. 13 uh, years later. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. 15 years later. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. got an answer to your Mind just blown. <laughs> cool.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah. I think
2: it's, you know, it's all like bringing comes back to that. What do you want to, how are you going to do this? Well, you just need to make sure everything has a purpose. Yeah. It's always specific. Right. And always questioning, is this helping me get to where I want to be?
1: So, you need to like, so as a coach, you know that, and you make it so you make an effort to let your, or to make sure your athletes know that, right? Yeah. Like, it's, I find like, uh, at least the, co- the athletes I coach, sometimes they just do the workout, they have no clue what the goal is. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, I think I, I make an effort to, to explain to them what the goal is. Um, and, and once they understand that, they can play with the variables, yeah. right? Think, if you don't know the goal, you I mean, you're going to go too hard, you're going to go too slow, like, you're just, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get the results, so. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you, you have, there's certainly, there's two types of athletes, there's athletes that want to know, and want to know why, and then there's yeah. athletes that, want to just, now that, you know, Training Peaks allows you to build a workout, and they can take that workout, and drop it into his lift, and yeah. push play, and <laughs> don't even have to understand anything. Yeah, uh-huh. They're, just gonna, they turn their legs and that's all they want to know. I guess so in you when know, you put
1: the numbers in and then like, yeah, you can control that a little bit. Right? They call them smart trainers, but it's stupid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, you could be yeah. so dumb and ride one of these. Yeah, things. they're dumb trainers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the trainer's smart. The athlete's dumb. <laughs> yeah, they just create dumber athletes than me. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. That being said, erg
2: mode, is, erg mode on a trainer is great for actually forcing people to do workouts properly. Interesting. You can't slack. Yeah. It's going to force you to get through that. Right? It's Eric Mode. It drives the train. so it drives the resistance. Yeah. You can't, instead of you setting the resistance, the trainer sets the resistance, yeah. so you can't back. You know, if you back off, it just keeps applying the same amount of resistance all the time. It's kind of like hitting
1: a hill, right? Like Yeah. It's grade's, grade's
0: the same regardless of the effort you want to yeah. put it.
1: What do you do as a cycling coach when... You can throw in the numbers, and you know, like you know, this this amount of watts should correlate with someone's VO two max. But they're they're sick. You know, they haven't been sleeping well. So that that number for that day feels exponentially harder. Their perceived exertion is way higher than it should be. Do you like? Do you do you tell them beforehand? You know, this is the perceived exertion as well as this is your numbers. Um, I work on watts. Yeah,
2: you most almost. Right now everyone has power meters I'm working with. Yeah. So we work off the watts, but if you're doing intervals and you decrease by ten percent from interval to interval, you pull a Good. Right. Um so it's more or for athletes who are really in tune with what they're doing, then they'll be watching heart rate too, right? You can see heart rate versus power. Yeah. And if you see the heart rate start ramping up for a given power, it's over.
1: Yeah. So you tell them this, they yeah. know this. It's yeah, they know that's what's great about cycling. You can't like running. It's hard to do that. I mean, runners don't necessarily use heart rate, and whether it's yeah. important or not, so we don't necessarily like it. And power is not a huge thing in, in runners right now. We're stuck you know? in the
0: stone age of that training because power, yeah. like it's out there. I just don't think it's being embraced. But you know, the, what the other is, thing what is too, stride. I don't yeah, know. but it's economy. also like, running power one? but yeah, running
1: economy has a big impact. Yeah, we'll so like it, cycling economy. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's, that's less so like some people have great running form, but great running economy. You
2: know why? Like power is pretty cutting edge and mm-hmm. running is pretty, it's normal now. Yeah. If you're not training by power and cycling, you're dated. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but in running, <laughs> power is, uh you know, power is still new and cutting edge, but why aren't you training with heart rate?
1: heart rate and, because heart rate I mean, and speed right? yeah I mean yeah. at the high and end you can compare the two yeah so I, I do, certainly do in yeah. my own running I can compare yeah. the two yeah I, I definitely do for easy runs I think it's nice to look at your heart rate but I find at the high end when you're doing VO2 stuff and and, and faster it's, it's just I don't know it's I find it's less important like um, I don't know the numbers are too all over the place and they're too they're different for everyone too that's yeah. the other thing at the high end. Everyone's heart rate max is going to be different. Yeah, running, right? running so.
2: that, definitely better. the VOT zone to max zone is much tighter
1: mm-hmm.
2: with heart rate. So.
1: What's the next point, Luke?
0: Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> Running's in the stone age. I, yeah. still, I still make it. I got my
1: running talk in. I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, What's coming up for you? What are you excited about? What's uh, what's new and exciting? Uh, I think, you know
2: locally we've got um a new gravel series coming up this year in town and i right. think that's a lot of a lot of talk about that happening this year Ex-
1: gravel is yeah. you know exploding explain to me I what how those races work and yeah the, okay
2: so gravels we talk about gravel racing have gravel bikes we have that it's really it's bike racing yeah and i like to you know it's I've gone go through this with people on enduro mountain bike racing versus mountain bike racing. To me, enduro mountain bike racing is mountain biking. Yeah. It's riding fast down hills and then waiting for your friends and riding up the hill together. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's mountain biking. Gravel riding is just riding is riding bikes and you ride on mixed surface race on mixed surfaces. But that being said, um, the gravel guys out of the west end of Ottawa are putting together a great local series this year. Yeah. Um, I think they have six events. Right. First so first ones in April. I think I first saw. One's in April. Yeah two in june one in july one in august one in september or something sounds about right um rod has their race obc has so Clarence rockland announced their dates say mid-may yeah. um we're waiting to hear the rubay dates um but you know the cool thing is that it's that's eight bike races spread out over the summer yeah. within an hour drive of home right yeah. in an hour drive of ottawa so
0: you well, no cal- longer have to cal- drive bogey
2: Yeah, we no longer have to drive to Toronto we no longer have to drive to uh, Montreal Montreal. just to get racing in we can get good quality large field racing in in Ottawa, so I think that's um, that's what's exciting for me about cycling right now is, you know, I've travelled all over the world, um, going to bike races, going to other sporting events Um, been to some pretty huge events, a bunch of world championships two Paralympic games and every time I come home, I mean super excited about our local Ottawa community. Yeah. We produce amazing athletes. We've got great events. We've had the- Great coaches. Great coaches. (laughs) Great practitioners. Um, (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) um, It's just like, so, such a community. You know, we really have, it's really a community here. Um, There's a little bit of everything. There's mountain biking, there's road riding, there's crits, there's time
0: trials. Yeah.
2: Uh, Huge cross community.
0: yeah, it's one so, of the reasons I, I was so drawn to Ottawa initially and how I fell in love with the city. And then it's one of the things that like I just kept falling back on and wanting yeah. to come back here. It's, yeah, it's kept me here for 17 years Yeah, 18 yeah it's years, incredible. I've like been here so.
1: for 30. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All because of the cycling, right, Garrett? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. um, so I think, you know, that's new and ex- what's exciting for me right now is just, um, what you know... The Ottawa cycling community was really, really big. I felt there was a little bit of a die-off for a bit, yeah, it was pretty road-centric only. Um, and now it's blowing up again. Okay. Huge development on mountain bike trails in Gatineau Park. The group from um, Ottawa Mountain Bike Association have done so much work on developing mountain bike trails in Kanata, in La Rose, and in, uh, up in Gatineau Park.
0: Um, so watching that and the Gatineau Park stuff like I haven't done too much in either of those other places the Rose and Canada, but it's like world class yeah like the oh, trails are incredible it's amazing technical as hell and, yeah, yeah. And
2: it's some of the it's great and like the future plans and just the way that the vision of linking so we can do some big long mountain bike rides up there is um, really cool yeah um, and then just continue like every time we turn around there's more athletes like whatever yeah national with the um, u23 bursary we give it in ottawa every year at the you're uh, heavily involved in that right yeah so yeah. i run the um national capital region cycling um committee and we are kind of an over a voice for the region yeah um and out of that we manage the s anniversary bursary in town and uh, have an annual awards um night and fundraise a yeah. fundraiser so our you know we keep seeing new athletes popping up this year we've got a couple mountain bikers on the national team again right at right. Ottawa. A um, bunch of road riders. So it's just just keep seeing athletes coming through. and Yeah. It's um, super cool. That's what's exciting.
0: Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm jazzed up. Let's get the snow melting. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let's ski a few more times first. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I do yeah. my lop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, you're doing the lop it this weekend.
1: Yeah, we'll have a whole podcast about that <laughs> coming up. <I'm> awesome. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk yeah. about it later. Yeah, bloopers.
0: <laughs> Garrett's first... Uh, cross-country
1: ski race ever? 50K? So yeah. uh, 27. Okay. 27. Next year, 50. Yeah. 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 Next year, oh, 50, a t- and then
0: 100. And then, then, then <laughs> no, then you'll do the ski. Marathon. Do the, then marathon. then, then you the
2: Olympics. Then the uh, Ottawa Triple Challenge. What's the Triple Challenge? It's so the ski marathon last weekend. And then both 50s of the marathon. Oh, that's some volume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you done it?
1: Yes. Yeah, you yeah, have. Yeah. It's a bad idea. <laughs> it's like the Rudy Award in the triathlon community. Uh, yeah. I don't know what how many events I think it's like. Uh, I don't know, five plus events, mm-hmm. all these crazy endurance events, just for people that want to go long and you know.
0: Yeah, it's good to be challenged. So, yeah. Do your homework first. Don't, uh, don't just swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. Be my, uh, I don't know, coach, therapist <laughs> mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks I think, for having uh, me, guys. I think that was that was awesome.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, can people find you anywhere? If people yeah. want to get a hold of you, or <laughs> I don't know if you want to yeah, yeah, give totally. out your cell phone number. <laughs> hey there, uh,
2: you know, if you have training questions, interest in coaching stuff, you can contact me, NicholasVipond@gmail.ca, or my website's um, SummitConsulting.ca. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's uh, you know, that's
0: my coaching consulting website. So hit so me up. Yeah. Well worth your time.
1: Cool. Luke, what's going on here? Anything exciting?
0: Uh, next Thursday, we have a um, kind of intro to training class, but it's uh, it's sold out. So it's uh, it's going to be kind of how to start uh, without hurting yourself and build some resiliency so that uh, you can move forward from there. I'm cool. looking forward to that. That's a, to it.
1: Yeah, I know. That's an awesome pro- uh, uh, workshop that you're yeah. putting on. It's yes. great. A lot of people, you know, start way too fast. Um, so that's great. Start with the fundamentals. Good. It's all about the fundies. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of it. Besides that, uh, our long runs are going steady. So yeah. right now in the winter, it's every second Sunday. So next one is not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that. So what day is that? That's February 20... 23rd. It's February yes, 20th. No, February 24th. 24th. Yeah, <laughs> close. Yeah, so good. Uh, good long run, and uh, a little victory's coffee, see the cute donuts after. No reason not to come. So hopefully you'll see you. Out. Thanks for listening, guys. Okay, bye.